0: We're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ogi Ogwe, the lead pastor of Circle Church International. He envisions all men living Christ-centered lives. Be blessed as you listen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Shout glory. shout better than Shout Glory to church. Say hi to three people and sit down if you would. You know what, before you sit, I have an announcement to make, so please just stay standing. In the book of Matthew, we see, um, we see Jesus gather the children of Israel for about three days, four days, and what they did in that period of time was they spent some good time teaching and receiving God's word. And so what we see is a precedence for prolonged meetings in the body of Christ. And that's the reason why in our local assembly, once every year, we have a meeting that up until now we have called is a camp meeting hallelujah you can feel free to clap if you want to and we have it at the end of every year but now we've decided we want to be more intentional about it in our local assembly in circle church we are very very particular about family we want this to truly be a family bonded by spirit not just family by mouth but a family that prays a family that slays demons a family that knows the word reads the word together and fellowships together and so we thought of the best way to communicate that in our annual gathering everybody comes together and we came up with a name and going forward that's what our camp meetings will be called and so going forward, what, we used to, what used to be known as a camp meeting will now be known as campfire. And what, hallelujah, and what we intend to achieve with that is a campfire-type meeting where we gather together, lock out the whole world, go camping, and just spend time catching fire and growing. Are you excited about that? gonna happen from the 25th of November to the 27th of November and it will happen right here right right where we are we're announcing this so you can clear your schedules for those of you that need to take leave take leave for those of you that need to fight with your boss in advance start the fight now so that you can come but make sure you are here you don't want to miss it it's three days it starts Friday it ends Sunday don't miss it all right all right and then we have a couple of Ministers minister is ministering with us. Um, for those of you who are new to the church, you may not know him but because he is now in Abuja. He has joined Pastor Sheol to do the work. But Prince Sheel will be here ministering with us. Then also we'll have Pastor Fee ministering to us. And then we have a third guest minister who is not a member of our local assembly. Who um, will be ministering and we will not announce for the sake of publicity. Because the media team said we should, they want to do guess who. So they put the person's silhouette and then everybody now has to guess. So we won't announce that. But very soon you will know. Are you excited? Shout glory. Glory. So here's the thing. We will no longer call it camp meeting. We will always call it what? You don't sound like you know the name. We will always call it what? So look forward to Campfire 2022. It's going to be amazing. Amen? Amen. All right, sit down. Let's get the word of God. Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus. God is good. I thought you had forgotten. God is good. And all the time. All right. Open your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 35 to 39. Romans chapter number 8, verse number 35. we We're going to read all the way to verse number 39. Are you there? Are you there? All right, everybody read Romans 8 35 together. One, two, go. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all day long. We started by reading this verse of scripture because I want to pose a question to you this morning. That question is, how strong are your convictions? How strong are your convictions? How easy is it for your convictions to be swayed away from the word of God? How rooted in the Word of God are you, really? How strong are your convictions? You see, you may be like Abraham. And in Genesis 12, the Lord called you. He called you to the um, the beach. And he says, look out. Look at the beach. Can you count the sand on the beach? And then you say, oh no, Lord, I can't. And then God says as many as the sand on the seashore that's how many descendants you would have and now your name is Abram which means exalted father and then you're thinking I don't have a son but you know what God has said it and so when God said it to shout glory you ran you jumped He said, wait, stop jumping, stop jumping, look up, look at the sky. And so now you look at the sky and he says, can you count the stars? And you say, oh no, Lord, I cannot count the stars. He says, all right, as many as the stars of the skies are, that's how many your descendants will be. And then you're shouting glory and you're running up and down. And as at this time, you were 75 years of age. And so you start waiting. You've gone around, called your wife, you told your wife. You texted your brothers. You told them that, look at the revelation I just had today. You guys, watch out. My children are coming. You're 75, you don't have a child. You're 80, you don't have a child. So now you're worried. It's five years, God hasn't done this thing. Your wife is tired of waiting. Because she too, she says, I'm not getting younger. All right. So she convinces you, sleep with the maid. So that at least we'll have an offspring in this house. You give birth to Ishmael. God did not say anything while you were doing it. You see, because there are times when God will give us um, an assurance. And it looks like what God said we should do. Or what God promised us is not coming to pass. And so we begin to try to help God. Some of our parents have done it before. You say, oh God told me to do XYZ. And you are dogging about it. But your parents who are older and care about you, they will call you and say, we you know that God said do. Oh, well look at your meat now. Say you will not just, for now, for now, we're not saying you should disobey God, oh, But for now, won't you just do this other thing? Here's what happened with Abraham. His wife told him, why don't you go ahead, let's have a son with Hagar. And they had a son. That son was Ishmael. And God let Ishmael grow. Just like he will let all your endeavors To help him prosper in some way He let Ishmael grow And in Genesis 17 This is five chapters out of Gen- After Genesis 12, right? But these five chapters represent About 24 years After God told Abraham The first promise As at this time Ishmael was a teenager I, think, I want you to think about it So Ishmael has started boarding school. He's already a grown man. Abraham was now known as Papa Ishmael. And he was moving up and down. And then one day he was on his own and God calls him. Genesis 17.1. Can you put it up? Genesis 17.1. Verse 1 please, not 4. And when Abraham was 90 years old and 9, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said unto him, I am the Lord Almighty. Walk before me and be thou perfect. Verse 2. And I will make my covenant between me and thee. And I will multiply thee exceedingly. Verse 3. And Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him. So now, listen. This is 24 years after God made the first promise. And God has come back to say, don't worry. I will make you mighty. And I will make you great. Your descendants will be great. So Abraham fell before him. And Abraham said, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee. And thou shalt be a father of many nations. And if you are like Abraham, I mean, if you are like me, and or if Abraham was like any one of us, 24 years after God made you the first promise, He's coming to tell you, I will make you a father of many nations. You so say, Here we go again. Look, God, we are comfortable with going to church. We love you. But this um, father of many nations thing, can we stop talking about it? It takes me to a place I don't like to go to. And so, read on, verse 5. Neither shall thy name be any more called Abram. So now, 24 years ago, God told you, I will, I will give you descendants as many as the sea, sons in the seashore. And you believed God. But that time, you were not foolish enough to change your name to father of many nations. You remained Abram. You told your cousins, you told your brothers, you shared, you sent WhatsApp BC. God, is, God has showed me one great revelation. But now, 24 years later, imagine, oh God Jesus. <laughs> 24 years later, you've not seen all that God promised you. You have a child by the woman who is not your wife. Just because you wanted to help the promises of God. And now God calls you 24 years later and he says, you know what, remember what I told you 24 years ago? It's still valid. It will still happen. And guess what? Now, not only will it happen, now not only will you change your, um, send your, your family members a broadcast message and go and announce it in the group chat. No, this time change your name. So now, 24 years later, you go around and you start telling everyone, so remember how you used to call me Exalted Father? And it worked because I was the father of Ishmael. But Remember how I told you that God told me that I have descendants as many as this issue. So now please be calling me Abraham, father of many. And so it begins to look like your walk with God is a mockery. Every time they say your name, it's almost a mockery to who you are. Verse 6. And I will make thee exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee, verse 7. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee, in in their generations for an everlasting covenant, to be a God unto thee, verse 8. Let's read to verse 10. I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee, the land wherein thou art a stranger. And so God made all these beautiful promises about this wonderful generation he was going to birth from Abraham. The first time God told Abraham this 24 years ago, my guy was running on the beach by the sand, by the seashore, shouting, Glory, glory. When God brought this thing back to him, this was his response. Verse 15. Verse 15, please. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai, thy wife, thou shalt not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. Verse 16. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her and she shall be a mother of many nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Verse 17. Everybody read the first line together Want to go. Hold on, hold on. So this guy who the first time God told him, he was sprinting. Glory, I receive. I believe all that God has for me. I'm receptive. The next time God told him, I will make thee a great nation. He said, I agree with that. I have Ishmael. I have servants. It's still possible. And he now said, and then your wife, Sarah, she will conceive and bear a child. Abraham said, Nebo. Where? He fell on the floor and laughed. (laughs) Like, sometimes God's promises are laughable. They seem laughable. They seem impossible. Abraham fell on his floor on the floor and laughed and said in his heart, "Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? Because now he's ninety-nine, right? By the time he finally has the child, he will be a hundred. Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah, that is ninety years old, bear?" Verse eighteen. This was what he said. And Abraham said to God. Oh, that Ishmael might live. Just, the meaning of this statement is, let's just choose this. Let it be Ishmael, please. Let's not go through this again. Listen to me. How strong are your convictions? How possible? Or how how much can you hold on to what God has said, even when it looks like it's not coming through? Now, in retrospect, you read Romans, and they call Abraham the father of faith. Abraham believed God. He hoped in the impossible. And we've, we've sermonized out of that. But this was Abraham. And many of us are like this. Today, I want to stir your faith, and I want to encourage you to dare to believe in God. You understand? Because even after Abraham said this to God, God went ahead to entreat him, explain to him. And at some point, Abraham said, you know what? I concede. Let it just be unto me according to your word. When, the, when, the, when God finally came to Abraham's house and the angels came to Abraham's house and they were having this conversation with Abraham in the house, when Sarah heard it, she did the same thing her husband did. She began to laugh. Like, uh-uh. You know my age. Ha! Huh. You know how old I am. I'm too old for that. But even after God entreated them, she said, be it unto me according to thy word. Listen, the Bible is replete with instances. Listen, I know that you've been taught that faith must be now. If it is not now, it is not faith. But the Bible will have you believe in God and what God has said 24 years after he promised it. 24 years. Our very example of faith, the the, um, occurrence or the manifestation of the promise happened a whole 24 years after God promised it. And so what you will learn about faith is that it requires patience. How strong is your conviction? I will read you another story. Luke chapter 11 verse 1. This sermon is very short. I just want to stir your faith up. Luke 11.1. 1. Um, do not Luke 11. John 11.1, 1, forgive me. John 11.1, 1, not Luke 11.1. 1. Now, a certain man was sick, named who? Come on. Named who? Of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister, Martha. Verse 2. It was that Mary that anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Verse 3. Therefore, his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Now, read verse 4. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may. If you messaged your pastor, and said, Pastor, I know you love my brother. My brother that you love is currently ill. And he does we've tried everything, it's not working. Right? The guy is ill. And then your pastor says, Oh, don't worry. I've prayed. He won't die. The sickness is not unto death. But that may, God may be glorified. Your response would be, Ah, okay, thank God though. And from that moment, you will start waiting for when your brother will get better. True or yes? Did Lazarus die or not? Now, Jesus promised this woman that your brother will not die. Or rather, the sickness is not unto death. But the guy died. Now, the guy died and the woman was still foolish enough. Because faith is foolishness. Foolish enough. To send a message to the pastor that prophesied that he won't die. That "Ah, he has died though. Come and do something. And Jesus did not go that day. He did not go there. He waited four days. Four whole days. And when he got there, he still had the effrontery to sermonize. He said, did I not tell you? If you believe in me, you will not die. Oga, you have guts." She was so overwhelmed with her emotions. She had to say, look, see, if you had come earlier, he would have not died. Many of us in our walk with God, this is where we are. God has made you promises. And it seems like God is late on fulfilling those promises. But let me tell you something. If Jesus comes to Lazarus' tomb four days after he dies, he came on time. If Isaac is born 24, 25 years after the promise, he was born on time. Do you get what I'm saying? Yes, sir. I want your convictions to be strong, dare to believe God, dare to believe him. And it doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what oh God Jesus. your convictions must determine your experience. It's not the other way around. Listen, learn to have hope against hope. Like when everybody thinks you are foolish for having hope, ah, that's the best time to have hope. Especially when God has said, do you hear me? Do you hear what I'm saying? That's the best time to have hope. You see, because God's time really is the best. It is. So, will you trust God that all that God promised you will happen? Will you trust God that that healing he promised that will happen in your life will actually happen? Will you trust God that the provision he promised to give you, you will see it? Or will you, will you, oh one of, One of the biggest dilemmas of the miraculous when it comes to Christians is that we give up too easily. We give up too easily. God said, I will heal you. He didn't tell you when, but he said, I will heal you. And the funny thing is the moment he said, I will heal you, he started the process. But many people don't understand that. If God said, I will heal you, you need to hold on by faith. Till it is completed. You see, because faith that is not absolute is not faith at all. So, I know that you have faith. When I see you, hold on till you receive the results. Are you following what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. Jesus said, it is he that endures to the end that shall be saved. So, I can see your faith in your endurance. In Hebrews 6, it says, follow those who through faith and patience obtain the promises. I can see your faith in your endurance. I can see your faith in your patience. So would you dare to have faith? Would you dare to believe in God? I know, listen, I know that There are people, especially for those of you who pray for the sick, and you used to be more ready to pray for the sick, but these days you're withdrawing because you prayed for a couple of people and you didn't probably see results. Let me explain. Faith is hope in spite of contradicting circumstances. Are you getting it? And so, even when I pray and pray and pray, and I'm not seeing the results I hope for, I will keep on praying. And now that's faith. I've taught you this several times before. Many times, people don't understand the way faith works. I have so many stories. One time, there was a man who was leprous. Jesus asked him to dip himself in the river Jordan, right? Was it the river Jordan or the pool of Siloam? The river Jordan. Seven times. No, was it? No. Elisha asked Naaman to dip himself seven times in the river Jordan. And Naaman, first of all, said, is there no river in will I go all the way to, I'm not doing. His servant said, can we just try what the prophet said? And Elisha learned. And so Elisha took his servants to the river Jordan and dipped himself. Now, do you know that he dipped himself the first time? He was still leprous. He came out. Dipped himself again. Number two, he was still leprous. He came out. Dipped himself, number three, he was still leprous. Number four, number five, number six. He came out of the water. His skin was still white. He was still leprous. But when he went in the seventh time, he came out whole. Many of us at number four who say nothing is happening. You don't get it. They didn't say that if you dip yourself seven times. You will gradually find your healing. They said, dip yourself seven times and you will see a healing. Do you hear what I'm saying? Many times the manifestation of the result is at the end of the obedience. Do you get what I'm saying? The problem is we get so excited and discouraged easily. So God says, March round Jericho for seven days. And on the seventh day, march round seven times. So now, you march the first day, you march the second day, you march the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day. Nothing happened. Sixth day, nothing happened happened. And do you realize that while they were doing this, there are people living in those walls that they were marching around. At some point, maybe the first day when they came, they were marching around. Everybody was like, what's going on? These people want to fight us. But then they marched around and went home. So they're okay, nothing. It happened the second day, the third day. By the fourth day, the people of Jericho, they were already used to it. They started mocking them. What are you people doing? Is this where you want to do your own praise and worship? Why don't you go and do your praise and worship in the wilderness where you live? They mocked them. They marched round. On the seventh day, they were marching round. One, two, three, four, five, six. It was at the seventh instance. After they marched the seventh time, the wall came down. Listen, how strong is your conviction? Maybe you don't understand what God demands of you. God says, whoever puts his hand on his plow and turns back, he's not worthy of me. I know that scripture speaks to salvation, but it is the nature of faith. That if I say that I look towards God, but I turn back away from what I'm saying, I don't really have faith. The Bible says you are double-minded. He said, let not that man think he will receive anything from the Lord. So how strong are your convictions? How strong are your convictions? Would you dare to revisit all that God promised you in the past? The things that you dropped by the wayside. Would you dare to revisit them and say, you see, God, I know I abandoned this thing a while ago. I know that I gave up faith. I know that I gave up hope and I behaved like there's no way this thing will ever happen again. But you know, I've decided I will come back and believe in you. Listen, I have decided in my own personal life, nothing will shake me from God's convictions, from God's word. The promises that God has made me, they will stand in my life. Praise the Lord. I know that in times past, you've prayed for a healing or you've prayed for someone to see a healing and so you, um, you didn't see the healing. And so now that there is a need for a healing, they're like, you know what, let's just go and see a doctor. And there's nothing wrong with seeing a doctor provided that your mind is not fixed on seeing the doctor as the solution to your problem. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, nothing is wrong with it. The way faith works, I explained this, I think it was... Um, during the teacher's Sun series, faith speaks to singularity of your the singularity of your mind, or singularity of focus. So, Jesus may enter my boat, and Jesus may say, "What are you doing?" And we say, "Oh, we've towed all night, and we can't catch any fish." And Jesus says, "Okay, cast your net here." And then we remind him, "We towed all night, but we don't catch any fish." But however, nevertheless, at your word, we will do that and so even if they were believing in Jesus for provision they still needed to cast their nets but then there was something important they recognized that casting their nets wasn't the solution itself it was casting their nets in obedience to god that was the solution. are you getting it ah, so it's true that you may pray for a healing and the lord will ask you to okay go and see a doctor about this do this do that the problem is when you now begin to think that the doctor is the solution to the problem, I, you are falling out of faith. So would you dare, listen, I want your faith to wake up this morning. Would you dare to believe God for a healing? Dare it! Some of us have gotten. I I, I thought about this last week Sunday. Some of us have gotten so used to the affliction that pray about it. You don't even raise it to prayer anymore. Pastor was sharing. uh, um, He was just sharing about how one time he was doing a healing meeting. And then he had finished doing the healing meter. And then there was this lady who was so used to her back condition that when he said, do what you cannot do, she was just looking at I'm fine. There's nothing that I cannot do. This woman hasn't been able to bend over for years. She couldn't touch her. She couldn't bend. Do what you cannot do. I'm fine. Then she realized, oh, it's true. I've not been able to bend since. Thank God she was smart enough in that moment to bend. You see, because I told you, Many times the result is at the end of the obedience. Here's the truth. That man in Acts chapter 3, the Bible, um, where where, um, Peter said, Silver or gold have we not? Such as we are, You know what, team can you put up Acts chapter 3? Let's start reading from verse 8. Okay, verse 6. Then Peter said, silver or gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Verse 7. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. Guess what? It was after he lifted him up that his, his feet and ankle bones received strength. Can you see it? So when Peter was speaking to him, he felt ordinary. Nothing was happening in his body. Did you hear me? Nothing was happening in this man's body. He was just sitting there crossing his legs. He couldn't walk. And let me tell you something. When somebody is born lame, their legs are deformed. Do you understand? Their legs are deformed because the muscles haven't been used. So he has these skinny legs. So there he is on the floor, skinny, sitting down. And then they say, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Now, he could have done what many of us would do in that situation. And say, see, I want to stand up and walk, but I can't feel anything. I don't think I can. Nothing has happened. Look at my legs. They're still the way they were. No! But instead, he said, you know what? If you said I should stand up and walk, I will stand up and walk. And so he stretched his hand. And Peter took his hand and lifted him up. And the Bible says, when he lifted him up, strength now came into his bones, his ankles and his feet. The guy now got up and he was leaping and pray. Next verse. Next verse, please. And he leaping up stood. So, this guy wasn't just, there's, listen, there's something called proactiveness when it comes to faith. There is a way to receive. There's a way to receive from God. Do you hear what I'm saying? This guy didn't just say, oh yeah, carry me up. And then Peter was pulling him up He saying, it's like I'm walking up. The moment he saw that it's possible that I, he, the Bible says he leapt up, he got, he jumped. So before Peter could pull he was already bouncing. Okay, these things are working, let's go. Some people we sit in one location, one position, waiting for God to do everything. And when that's okay, a miracle has happened. Yay. There's a way to receive of God. There's a proactiveness you need to have. And that proactiveness comes from conviction. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There is a proactiveness that that makes you say, Oh, King, live forever. The God of Abraham, the God of Daniel, he's able to rescue us from the fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't, we are not going to bow. Threaten me, whatever you want to threaten me. My convictions are not shifting, they are not shifting. They're not shifting. Listen, I want your mind, I want your faith to wake up, to come alive. Do your worst, Satan. I'm not shifting from where I am. I believe in God. I believe in God. There is a level of involvement. And and that comes from strengthened convictions. Say this after me. It doesn't matter what happens. My heart is fixed on the word. It doesn't matter what happens. My convictions remain sure. It doesn't matter what happens. God's promises in my life will come to pass. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so like this man, this morning, we're going to pray for you to receive a healing. It doesn't matter how minute it is, but once the instruction comes, do you, do you get what I'm saying? Once the, uh, once the instruction, just jump at it. Jump at it. I was reading a story this morning from Catherine Kuhlman's Crusades. And there was this guy who Attended one of the crusades and was healed at the crusade. And um, he he was a young man. He was 23 years old. He was a construction worker. And they were lifting this very heavy block at his construction site. It loosened from the crane and fell on his back. And it severed his spine. Right? The doctor saved his life barely. But he couldn't walk. He was in severe pain. if, If you know what nerve damage is in the spine it's any little movement is painful he was in severe pain he's like and he wasn't allowed to climb any type of stairs he couldn't move like three meters without feeling pain three meters is 10 feet he couldn't move 10 feet without feeling pain he was in severe pain he was confined to his bed he couldn't go out he was his wife, after three years of struggling with this illness and pain, and, and if, you're, if you know anything about medicine, once you struggle that much, you begin to have something called calcium buildup around your spine. It begins to calcify and solidify. So your bone is straightened. And then your spine is supposed to be curved like an S. It's straightened out. And then you, so it becomes worse. So now he's on morphine, he's on codeine, he's on types of drugs just to keep his pain down. And he was getting addicted to the pews. But this guy wasn't a Christian. He wasn't a believer. Now his wife starts going to church, looking for a solution to the problem. He joins her. He becomes a believer. Then he hears that Catherine Kuhlman was coming. Now the wife is trying to convince him. Let's go. He said, no, I don't believe in healing. I don't believe in that kind of stuff. She said, let's go. I don't believe in that kind Let's go. She finally forced him to go. Put him in a vehicle. It was painful throughout. But all through... The wife kept saying, I'm sure you'll be healed today. Don't worry. Let's go. You'll be healed. Listen, let me tell you something. I want you to have such a conviction for God's word that those around you are affected by your faith. You understand that even if they don't want to have faith, at some point you will bully them into having faith. So the wife is there. They get to the place. He's sitting up in the gallery. They had to carry him upstairs. Because he couldn't climb the stairs. They had to put him on the stretcher and carry him up. And then put him on the chair. He's sitting up in the gallery. And then Catholic starts ministering. Gets a word of knowledge. There's so much. She didn't pray for him. Many people don't realize it. When God's healing power is in the atmosphere, nobody needs to lay hands on you. And that power is here today. So she pointed up, there's someone in the gallery. You've just been healed of a spine issue. He was sitting down. His wife tapped him and said, it's you they're talking about. He said, he, he didn't know when he got up and started running. He was running up and down. He ran down the aisle, ran down the stairs, ran back up. He was just running the, ah, is this me? Catherine Coleman said, I can see you. Can you come down? Before she finished, he was already at the stage. Listen, I want, there's a type of, and there's a proactiveness you must have when it comes to things like this, when it comes to receiving from God. Listen, it's okay to be forward. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yes. Let it be that we released you. When we say, do what you couldn't do before, we're not telling you to try. That's the part where you play. Let me tell you something else. We're not asking you to check. We're not asking you to check whether you've been healed. We're asking you to heal yourself. The power of God is present. Walk the miracle. Go and dip yourself in the pool of Jordan seven times. That's what we're asking you to do. So when, when an instruction comes and says, brother, what's wrong with your legs? You say, run, run. We're not asking you to try it out. See where that is. Run, brother, run, move. Do you hear what I'm saying? The way God works is when he gives you an instruction, the result that you're looking for is at the end of, of the obedience. Earlier this year, one of you messaged me. You told me, God asked me to give this amount. The amount, you said God asked me to partner with the church with this amount every month. And you know our stance on seed sowing in this church. It is not a doctrine. It is not a principle. It is an overflow of your work with God. If the Lord instructs you to sow a seed, go ahead but nobody should force you to do it. If the church calls for general givings, as Christians, we have a responsibility to support the gospel with our resources. But aside from that, there is no doctrine on seed sowing. So this lady, the Lord asked her to give soy seed, you know, partner with the church is a certain amount every month. Now, at the time the Lord asked her to do this, I think that amount was either her full salary or about 80% of her salary. When the Lord asked her to take this um, instruction, she messaged me. She said, Pastor, God said, I said, I, I know it's a lot of money for you. And honestly, personally, I would have told you don't do it. But God instructed you. And I will not be the reason why God will not do what he wants to do in your life. So if God told you to do it, do it. Just have a savings plan. Have a way to fall back. Do what, know what you are doing. She said, okay. She gave it the first month. And I think by the next month, her job, she got a new job. And what the Lord instructed her to be given as a seed was a tithe of her new salary. That's 10%. Do you know that? Someone else would have said, God, I don't yet have this money. Let me save up for it. Let me save up three months. I will now give it. But can I be doing it every three months and God will be looking at you? Because the instruction he gave you was do it monthly. Because he knew what he wanted to do the next month. Are you getting what I'm saying? Listen, when God gives you instructions, the result is at the end of the obedience. You, your own part to play is let your convictions be strong that what God said will happen will happen. Nothing, nothing supernatural ever happened to a man that is double-minded. Today you are sure, to, tomorrow you are unsure. Nothing will happen for you. James said, let not that man think he will receive anything of the Lord. Why? Because your picture in the realm of the Spirit is, please come, brother Jason. Now, imagine this guy is God now. And he, he wants to offer me this phone. And he says, take. And then I keep doing this. Am I, I, I I'm not sure? No. I know. At some point, he will just withdraw his I and put in his pocket. You are not serious. Is that correct? That's what you look like in the realm of the spirit. When ah, God can do it, but, but he can't. God can do it. Are you sure he can? I will have faith, but I cannot. And then God says, take. Yeah, you keep doing like that. Keep that. I mean, you, just, you, just, you are not serious. Sit down. let not that man think he will receive anything from the Lord. I know you've been raised to be independent. But I've told you before. In Christianity, there's no such thing. All we have is interdependence. We depend on one another and we depend heavily on the Holy Ghost. Heavily. Heavily. Look at that. It says, But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Say nothing wavering. It says, For he that wavereth, you know what it means to waver? I'm here. I'm I'm not a straight line, I'm this way, I'm like this tomorrow, I'm here, I'm there. He says, he that wavers is like a wave of the sea, driven by the wind and tossed." Listen, your reason for wavering may be valid, but it does not excuse you. Do you hear me? I know that Jesus promised you that Lazarus will not die. And so now that Jesus has come to sermonize in front of Lazarus' tomb, you are not sure that he can, but guess what? It does not excuse you. Because Jesus will still stand before you, even when Lazarus is dead, and say, he that believes in me, though he be dead, yet will he live? And then he will ask you, do you believe? At that point, you say, well, I, I used to believe, but you told me he won't die. So he won't even be here if you did what you're supposed to do, and Jesus says, you don't believe. But if you are wise and you are like Mary, and then Jesus says, do you believe? And you are quick to say, I believe, I believe. Ah, then it will be that with a loud voice, he will cry, Lazarus, come forth. And he that has been dead and bound for four days will come out of the tomb walking. He says, "Let he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea. He is tossed by the wind. The wind is supposed to toss the waves. Are you getting what I'm saying? So the storms are supposed to come. The trials are supposed to happen. But if you let them shake you all the time, it says, For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Your convictions must determine your experience. Not the other way around. Did you hear what I said? Not the other way around. So, like Mary... Jesus will promise you Lazarus will not die. It's not unto death, but then the guy goes ahead to die, and Jesus shows up late or what you think is late, four days later, and he's asking you I mean, he begins to sermonize, and then he begin, and then he says, "Do you believe?" And then you realize, if I shift, I can't receive anything. So regardless of circumstances, I choose to stay where I am. I choose to stand. Do you hear what I'm saying? It may be 24 years before Isaac is born. But in those 24 years, while I'm raising Ishmael and I've tried my other options and God still comes back with the same proposition he did 24 years ago and nothing has happened in those 24 years. When he comes back with the same proposition, I will say, Be it unto me according to your word. It may not make sense. I may laugh for a moment. I may think, is this even possible? And God says it is possible. And then what my response should be is, be it unto me according. Hallelujah. I want your conviction to be strong. Listen, have this anger. De- Listen, when the devil is, is trying to crank it up, you'll get He is cranking it up. Your conviction is stronger. He's pushing it. You are pushing him. That's the truth. That's the way it should be. So much so that it will get to the point that Lazarus will die and you still still have enough conviction to call for Jesus. And say, hello, Jesus. He's dead. But come and do something. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Listen. I've told you before devil likes to make us think that because we are smart, we shouldn't believe in things like this. You realize that Luke, you know Luke, that wrote the book of Luke, he was a medical doctor. This guy traveled everywhere with Paul. And so he saw Paul work miracles. And the thing is, he must have prayed with Paul to see some of those miracles worked. Do you hear me? So when it comes to matters like this, my academic background or distinction, not um, notwithstanding, my conviction is stronger. Thank you for listening. For more, head over to CircleChurchGlobal.org or visit any of the church campus addresses on the website. God bless you.